What's good? This is Kelsey, founder and fearless leader of Dope. You are zoned in for an episode of Soberpreneur, a look at what happens when we deal with our past shit, talk openly about that shit, and go do other awesome shit. Author and mental health advocate Dana Altman joins me today to share her personal story and how she's channeled her passion and innate ability to inspire into two books that help people find healing by reminding us we're not alone in our struggles and that we're all deserving of help. She is like a literal ray of sunshine and I left this conversation with a big ass smile on my face and I think you will too after this episode of Soberpreneur. Yeah, well, thank you so much, uh, Dana Altman, joining me today on Soberpreneur. Super excited to meet you. I think in your first email to me, you were like, I found my like mental health soulmate. <laughs> like we totally are aligned. So thank you for jumping on here. I can't wait to learn more about you. Yes, I'm smiling ear to ear. That's exactly what I said. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much. Awesome. So I think there's two sides of you in written form that I've heard of so far. So you've got your memoir, Mix, Melt, Mend, Owning My Story and Finding My Freedom, which I love. And you've also got a new book, Bake It Till You Make It, which I super love, uh, Breaking Bread and Building Resilience. So I'm incredibly excited to learn more about this. I read on your website about your memoir saying that you are modeling vulnerable storytelling in hopes of inspiring others to do the same. And that like lit me up. I just feel it, that's like putting into words what I couldn't describe about why it does feel so good to share your story, though, like awkward and uncomfortable and like socially has some negative connotation. You feel like maybe you'll inspire someone else to be able to share it, too. So totally. um, if you can just give me the the quick rundown, you know, who is Dana Altman and, and how did you end up writing these masterpieces? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you again for having me. As you said, I'm Dana. Um, I am based in Boston, Massachusetts. I'm in my late twenties. Um, I am actually not really a cook or baker, um, but I am a mental health storyteller. As you said, um, I actually, Bake It Till You Make It actually came out last year and Mixed Melt Mend is coming out this, it actually came out yesterday, which is super exciting. So oh, I got it backwards. No, <laughs> no, Sorry. I, I mean, it's so cool that I have two books that you can even confuse them backwards. So like that big ups on that. <laughs> honestly, like that is so cool. I no worries. So, um, yeah, so mental health storytelling has always been super important to me. Um, I have struggled with my own mental health, um, for a really long time. I think things got, um, I was officially diagnosed with different um, mental illnesses such as anxiety, which I've come to really identify more with an OCD kind of lens with my anxiety as well as depression. And I'm also in recovery for an eating disorder. And so none of those things really became, uh, none of those things got labeled until college. However, in writing my memoir and thinking about my own story, um, I definitely was struggling for a long time, um, but didn't necessarily have the words to it. Um, but now I am someone who totally identifies, um, as like a role model in the community, modeling vulnerability, um, sharing my story and really um, hoping that other people feel less shame and feel like they don't have to hide if they live with mental illness or um, live with something that might make them a little bit different or shy or nervous. Um, 
that's like essentially my mission. Um, by day, I'm a public health professional at a youth serving nonprofit, um, which is awesome. My day job doesn't really have to do with mental health, but I do get to work with youth in the community. And I love that they see me as someone they can share their own mental health stories with. So that's really special. And then otherwise, yeah, I'm working on, uh, yeah, now officially have two books in the world, which is super cool. Um, and yeah, I threw Bake It Till You Make It, which is kind of like the larger organization, um, have been doing like some different community events, uh, which of course have, have changed format, um, with the pandemic, but still really just trying to connect people, um, mental health and, and mental illness can be very isolating issues and experiences. So really connecting people is, is what I'm all about. That's so awesome. I think one really important thing is like this recognition, like you said, not having the words to understand what you're going through. And it's really easy in the society to just like be feeling a certain way, especially in your younger years, you know, going through like middle school, high school, early college days, feeling like I must be the only one that feels this way. So something's wrong with me. And I probably shouldn't tell anyone, you know, you just don't even know how to like face it or discuss it. So I think that's really awesome. And the work you're doing uh, with the youth as well, it's like, even though you said it may not be directly related to mental health, I have this feeling that wherever Dana Altman steps, someone is getting like the benefit of being a little more accepted for what they're going through or like those conversations are easier brought up. So I think you're doing probably good work wherever you are. What an amazing compliment. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Yes. You're so right. I think how, how are you supposed to know when you're that age? Like if you're not seeing it in, in your family or friend group, like it's not being talked about. I mean, yeah, exactly what you said. Like who, who can I tell um, is, is yeah. a big issue. And where do you think the education needs to happen? You know, do we need parents to have the tools to have these conversations? Do we need schools to have these conversations slash all of the above? I'm sure. But like, have you put any thought to like, what is the right way to get out these discussions and have people, you know, okay with talking about what's not feeling so hot and being able to identify with it with words, like you said, to be able to understand and then take action from there um, without it just sort of like brooding under the surface unknown. Yeah, I think, as you said, kind of all of the above, I think as many entry points as we can to like youth, um, or I work specifically with teens. So even more important, honestly, like as, um, youth like or kids get older, um, middle school, high school years can be really difficult. I definitely think at least in my personal experience, like I know I've had conversations with my parents and them have, and they have told me like, they wish they knew there were resources in the community when I was struggling in high school and middle school. And they just didn't know that even existed. So I guess more education, um, and which would be really important, but also mentoring, um, like being able to have someone in your life who you can talk to, I think is so important. And I really have seen that through my, like my day job, um, the importance of having someone who like maybe isn't, um, a friend, but someone you like a role model for you um, that you can just talk to, whether that comes in the form of like a cousin or um, an older friend, someone at a youth center in the school or in your school, I think is really important. Um, I also think that I guess something that I've been thinking about is just like representation in mainstream media. Um, I feel like 
there aren't great representations of people who um, have mental illness and are like living a full life otherwise. Um, it's actually really funny during this pandemic, my sister and I are rewatching Desperate Housewives from like, we watched like middle school um, and not to totally call them out, but they have some, like some of their characters with um, some re- who are struggling with mental illness are seen as crazy. And like maybe 10 years ago, that was okay. But I really, I, I mean, it never was, but I hope that we're moving toward um, media that's a little bit more accepting. And I yeah. think that like, would be important. I guess like socially overlooked is probably the way to say it. Like yeah, exactly. there's a lot of things that 10 years ago were socially overlooked, but yeah. in the awareness that we all have today is irresponsible to ignore. So um, it's interesting. You know, I think this, we've definitely entered into a world of culture where it's sort of like, oh, do we like throw away all the old stuff? And I think it's just as like a, just a way moving forward to keep things in our head um maybe I think some shows have done a really good job of like adding you know trigger warnings or like some information at the beginning or the end that talks about like some things that are going to be portrayed here you know etc like for example Desperate Housewives as you brought up like maybe they could do some like after the fact like information before or after um I love I know this show is so controversial but what's the 13 reasons why Mm -hmm. like I thought they did a really good job trying to make sure that they were like putting out enough information of like, Hey, we're going to talk about these things. Like here are resources of where you can go get help and like try to, you know, invest in that area a little bit. I think probably after a little pushback from their first season, yeah, um, not doing anything. So. good correction, I guess. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you think of mental health or mental illness, I think it's a, um, an interesting discussion. Cause I, I talk a lot with the terminology about mental health saying that like, you know, we all have mental health to sustain and that, you know, my work around trying to reduce the stigmas around it is like good or bad or, you know, maintenance or what you're doing to just keep your mental health in a positive state, um, you know, or, or under, you know, focus of that awareness, I guess, somehow it doesn't have to be positive all the time, but that world. And then there's some that are like, oh, it's really great. You're trying to help people with mental illness. And I'm like, (laughs) you know, there's sort of this back and forth of like, uh, yeah, I guess I'd love to get your take on how do you describe the two and what's your real hope for like the world at large? Yeah, such great questions. So um, (laughs) so, uh, one thing that I really like, just like a kind of like a simple saying, um, I think I learned like in college maybe was not everyone has um, m- mental illness, but we all have mental health. Um, and that just like really stuck with me because it makes the physical illness comparison really easy. Like we don't all have physical illness, um, but we all have physical health. Like we all go to our doctors, hopefully, um, and get kind of like this checkup on our physical health um, without having physical illness. So why is mental illness, why is mental health any different? Um and I think, yeah, I just think that's a really like good, simple way to explain it. And that's usually been my favorite. Um, yeah, it's just, it just makes sense. It um, makes it more like, or less us versus them, you know, like, yes, the exactly. of right. saying, yeah, if I don't have a mental illness, I'm chill. Like, I don't need to read this or I don't need to hear about mm-hmm. this or this doesn't affect me um, versus being like the open arms of like, whoa, like I could have tools to like better handle a really stressful day sick. Like I'm in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's interesting because I think like I'll always, I mean, I think I will always like live with my mental illness to some degree, but I've become really good at managing it. As I've said, like 
um, not only am I able to like have have a day job and and mm-hmm. an entrepreneurial adventure, but also like live in my own apartment and you know and I like, write books, no big yeah. deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I think that um you know nine years ago, ten years ago, like I definitely wouldn't have been able to do that. That was like mental illness in. Um, at its worst for me anyway. Um, but now I'm able to kind of, I like what you said, maintenance, like ma- maintaining like my own kind of level of of anxiety, which is always going to probably be a little bit higher than some of my peers, but that's okay. Like I'm learning how to live with it. And um, so, yeah, as I guess, yeah, getting back to your original question, taking out the us versus them, like we all have this like mm-hmm. thing called mental health and like as you said, you might not have a mental illness, but you could always, you could always benefit from learning different coping skills or like, I know mindfulness is now um, more like mainstream and people really, yeah, exactly. Very trendy, like with meditation, um, which is great, but those are only, that only scratches the surface of like what's available. Um, skills. That's awesome. And I mean, speaking of what's available, like what are some things, what do you do? How do you keep yourself centered and rocking and rolling? Um <laughs> A great question. Therapy is probably be my number one. Um, I definitely make it a point to have like my therapy appointment every single week. I've been working with the same therapist for about eight years and she's nice. been- huge role in my life. Yeah. Uh, she actually wrote the epilogue to my memoir, which is like so special. Oh, that is so awesome. And by the way, I'm just really jealous. I have changed therapists way too many times. It's exhausting. I'm like, if I have to talk about my sixth birthday <laughs> one more time. <laughs> no, yeah. that's so true. And that's I'm so lucky. And it's also been something that I've had to like, you know, as like check myself on a little bit. Cause that is like, it is so rare. Like usually people are like switching or, or maybe they don't find the first therapist, their first therapist they try isn't yeah. the right one. So or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So realizing like that is out there. Like my therapist, her name is Dina. Like a Dina for you is out there for sure. Um, yes, of course. Um, so that is huge. I also, um, I love, so I, growing up, I did a lot of like, um, dance. So like ballet jazz, um, I definitely don't identify as a dancer anymore, but I do really feel like movement and like creativity in that area is like really important to me. So I'm big into soul cycle, which I know has like, it's positive and negative. That's a form of dancing. I feel like identify as a dancer was a really hard judgment to put on yourself because frankly, like we're all dancers. Like I know everybody gets a little wiggle and a jiggle when a good song comes on. So exactly, I can totally still identify as a dancer and soul cycle is dancing on a bike. So you're in, you're in. You're dancing more than I'm dancing on the regular. So that's great. That's so all about it. Really important. Yeah. yeah. That's sweet. I think like the fitness portion of it, like, or whatever that looks like to someone, right. Whether it be soul cycle or walking regularly or yeah. running or any of that, it's like a great thing to just put your extra energy towards stress reliever. You know, I think even if you feel like you hate working out, like it's hard to be upset at like, yoga or walking or swimming or like there's got to be something that's like generally kind of fun for you and it just gets you one away from a screen for some period of time which is hyper needed you know these days no notifications for just an hour of your day would like be a game changer and you know the physical fitness you feel better mentally when you do start to feel better physically so I think there's so many extra like benefits from that when I first got sober I was like 
full blown. I mean, I also tried being vegan at that time as well. I was like, let's get everything out. Like no dairy. I didn't drink coffee for a month. And then I was like, this was a terrible idea. I need to back. But I also got super into working out. It was like, you know, I think when people have an addiction, like dealing with alcohol, like I was, it was sort of like, okay, let's fill it with all these other things. Like let's try everything else and then see what makes me feel good. And um, working out and like running for me at the time was huge. I ended up like, I think I ran a half marathon the day after my 25th birthday too. So it's like <laughs> not what many people would do the morning after their birthday party, but like yeah. I had this big birthday party and I was like, look, I didn't drink, so I'm not going to be hungover and you guys can all come stand at the finish line while I run a half marathon. Really cool. I love that, that kind of energy is like, you know, just the shit. And I look for that excitement and like good positive vibes from my brain um, through exercise for sure. So that's awesome. Yeah. I think like this year's challenges uh, have been, I mean, they've been a plenty. So there's a, that could be a long list. <laughs> Given those challenges, you know, what are like pro tips for being resilient through, through this year? Have you had any, um, you know, discussions on maintaining optimism or how to make it to 2021? <laughs> I need a roadmap. Yeah. So I, I think that, um, yeah, it's it's definitely been a year for everyone. Um, everyone can say that in, in so many ways. I think making sense of anything for me has really come through a lot of, has come through writing, hence the books. Um, and I think that that, whether it's writing or exercise or uh, like finding that passion that you have that helps you make sense of things is my number one resilience tip, whether that's therapy, like talking it out or even just like being with friends. Um, I've noticed when I'm able to dedicate myself to something I'm really passionate about, especially writing about mental health and and knowing that other people may find um, some comfort in it just lights me up to a point where like everything, everything can be like, falling to pieces. Um, but I still feel like I have this greater purpose, um, which has been really helpful throughout the pandemic. And, um, and addition, in addition to like everything our country's going through right now and, and just like the racial uprising, which is like, it's about time. So like, that's really exciting, but like, it's also Mm -hmm. super hard. Um, because like everyone, I feel like everyone has their and attention divided in so many different places. There are so many things to get passionate about right now. So many things to get excited about, scared for all these different, oh, there's so many emotions. So I guess feeling those emotions. Um, yeah. So um, finding some, finding an outlet, um, which yeah. is easier said than done. I know it takes, it definitely has taken me some, some trial and error tips to like necessarily find that outlet. But I think that is a, a key piece of yeah. Like finding a purpose and finding connection, I think has also been really important. So making sure there's people you're still connecting with. And I think that's really true about it's not overnight that you just figure out what you're passionate about. I think Mm -hmm. people are really annoyed with that idea of like, you know, entrepreneurship is like this big dream of like, oh, go create something. And then it's like, well, what do I want to create? Or like, what do I possibly care enough about to do forever? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, um, it's, it doesn't just happen. So I think the best advice in that world of like trying to find a purpose is like you said, just keep going for it. Try something new, set a goal of like once a month or something to go and try something new, you know, yeah. go explore a new area, read a new book, like, you know, study some new topic you haven't before. And eventually you're going to find something that's like, whoa, no, I need to read the next book on this or no, I need to like bake the next cake or whatever. And surrounding yourself with people who bring that out in you or who feel similarly. Uh I think that's been a big 
like discovery for me in my mid to late twenties. Um, like finding, you know, it's better. I would rather surround myself with a few people. And like, it's so cliche. Like, I feel like my parents told me that in middle school when I was being left out, like it's better, like uh, quality, not quantity. But I don't think I really understood that until realizing how like draining it can be when you're not around people who lift you up or who inspire you or people you really are seen by. Um, so that's another big piece and definitely not being able to see people in person, um, has been difficult, but it sounds like, I mean, I'm impressed that we've all found ways to connect otherwise. Of course, it's like not the same, but it's so important um, to do. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, honestly, big ups to any event planner that's now like pivoted and doing all these virtual events. That is so hard, you know, life has been (laughs) physical conventions and events. And now it's like, all right, how are we going to make this fun and make everybody on little video screens? And it's just... really tough. Um, I think like CES going virtual in January is going to be a really interesting one to see of like, how do you create that like, intense, amazing, like tech connection Mm -hmm. with all these people building amazing stuff, but like have it virtual, you know, you're not gonna have like 2000 attendees on a zoom call, like, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's gonna be unique. But I think like, it's a once in a lifetime challenge, we hope uh, that we have through and everyone's you know gonna be I think really hopefully proud on the other side realizing that they made it through this crazy year so right um oh so let's talk about this book what can people expect uh you know of the new one coming out and of the one that you had written previously you know what would be your tip for like who should read this yeah okay so I'll start with bake it till you make it because that was like the original book that kind of launched this, this bigger movement. So bake it till you make it, um, again, like love the title. Um, so that actually the title became before the book actually, which is like different. I feel like that's usually not how people write books, but (laughs) I thought of that title and I was like, yes, combining mental health and baking. So the first book is a compilation of different stories, um, and recipes. So it's over 40 different stories, or, um, I did some like interviews with people. So some Q and A's, um, some more like narrative storytelling, some poetry. So really, I really wanted, um, anyone who picked up the book, like regardless of like their identity, um, to feel understood or seen in some way. So of course, like I, oh my gosh, I hope I made that happen, but I know like 40 probably isn't enough, I guess for any, for every identity, but um, the idea that we can all be connected in some way and like the importance of representation, kind of like what we were talking about earlier. So, um, yeah, so different, um, different stories about resilience, about living with mental illness, about supporting someone who lives with mental illness, about how to be a caregiver, um, did some interviews with like people in the field. Um, so that's, that's like a definitely, that feels more of like a feel good kind of book and you can bake your way through it, which is really cool too. There's, um, every story has an accompanying recipe and every recipe was chosen by the stories contributor. So, um, so. I love that idea. Cause you know, like there's, I'm sure you had some uh, some folks who like had a really 
touching story or memory of like making something with their grandmother or their mom's recipe. So really neat to have that sort of like generational pass down in a book. Yeah, definitely. That was really, that was a really great component. And some of the recipes like were directly correlated to the story, like kind of like what you said, like a grandmother or I thinking specifically like someone talked about cupcakes they made for um, their sister and um, learning about like how to grief with when their sister passed, when this person's sister passed. So things like that. Other people um, shared stories um, and were just like, and I love like lemon cake. And that's great too. Like that, I love that as well. So um, so yeah, so that book is still out there and available, which is great. I love it. I have to ask, I know you probably don't, you can't say your favorites, right? You can't say your favorites, but what is your favorite recipe in the book? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so hard because like, I, oh my gosh. Yes. That is really hard. Like I, I want my go-to, like my gut instinct was to say Oreo truffles, but I think that's because they're so easy to make and they're so good. Like you can whip those up in like 30 minutes and have like an amazing yeah. dessert. Or it's like four ingredients or like three ingredients. I exactly. just, <laughs> Um, but some of the more complicated, like I'm big into like apple pie, apple crisp, yeah. like anything this fall season that we're having, like anything fall is oh, spoiler alert. We have an apple pie cookie dough coming mm-hmm. in our seasonal box later this year. Oh so much That's so <laughs> exciting. Yeah. Look into that. Um, <laughs> which is awesome. And, um, yeah, so that's make it till you make it now mixed melt mend. Um, So yeah, so this book, not that it's like not uplifting, I think it's maybe arguably like more hopeful, um, but it's about my life. Um, I always wanted to write a memoir. Like that's actually maybe like the first like line in my preface is that like, I've been writing a version of my memoir since I was like in middle school. So I've always known that I wanted to do this. And like, I've had a story that. What what was like, what made you in middle school be like, I got to tell this? I think I've always looked up to people who have used their power for like good in quotation marks. Like I can remember like learning about like celebrities or like um, authors who like had a platform and had a voice and were able to like stand up for the things that they believed in. And I think I just really wanted that. Even if I didn't know like what story I was going to tell, like, I don't know what I was going to say at 12. Yeah, time. But I think like I wanted, I wanted to have that. I want to have that impact on people because I knew that I wanted to change the world in some way. As like cliche as that sounds, um, and it was like I mean through high school and middle school, like I was constantly trying to like find that passion, find my outlet, like doing fundraisers for like the American Cancer Society, like trying to kind of find like what was I passionate about. Like I knew that I was super creative, always been entrepreneurial. Um, I started my first traveling theater company um, at age eight and had rehearsals in my basement, coordinating with my friend's parents. So it's always been like wanting to do something um, to help the world, but never knowing really like how to do that, I guess, um, until I struggled immensely with my mental illness. So um, that is like what's changed, I guess, is like now everything I do is operating in the lens of like, how do I help people in a way that they didn't have, that they don't have to struggle the way I did, whether it was like through finding help or through um, support of friends or family, like how can I lighten the load a little bit um, for someone else? So I mean, and even as simple as like making them feel less alone, just reading it oh, like I felt like this. So I think that's a really strong component to it as well. 
Totally. I, I actually, so I had a focus group where I like brought together um, like eight people in my life, like super random. Most of them didn't know each other. Like everyone only knew me. And um, just to like talk through what they, what they liked about it. And someone had said like, this book could have been written about me. And I like just wanted to cry. I was like, wow, like this is like what I have always wanted. Like I want someone to be able to like look at my story and be like, I can relate to this. And like, because of this, I'm not going to give up or like, because of this, I can see that I can have more for my life. Um, so yeah, so that is, that is essentially the book, very authentic, very raw. Like I had to talk to a lot of people to make sure like it was okay that, you know, I shared my side of the story and in different relationships and especially in my family and everyone was very, um, very respectful and, and saying, you know, like, this is your story, like tell it on, filtered which is awesome and I'm so cool how was the reception for your family being like oh shit she's gonna you know some would say like air the dirty laundry or like was something less than awesome or did we mess up like I think there's a lot of parental guilt when a child has anything happen you know even like I think what I went through like I think it was uncomfortable for my parents at first when I was like hey I'm probably gonna tell the world that (laughs) that, that this happened you know it's like in the old days, you just would have kept it quiet and kind of dealt with it and did your thing. And okay, I got sober, but no one has to know. And mm-hmm. alcohol is anonymous and all that world. And then I was like, let me grab the megaphone, hold back really quick. Yeah. And help share this. So how is that for you? Well, first of all, do you see why I, th- I found my mental my mental health soulmate? Like, just so, so true. So me. So yeah. So um, it was definitely hard. I think in some capacity they were like somewhat ready for it because in in bake it so you make it and just some of like the other projects that I had done before like I've definitely talked about like how I wish my my parents um and my family were like a little more receptive or may have seen things earlier on that just like weren't right um but I think that I think that they're I think they're proud at the end of the day they're proud that I that I have the strength to like stand up and, and share and if it means like telling my side of the story, they seem to be okay with it, which is great. Um, But definitely, definitely painful. As you said, like, especially in, you know, their generation or like generations um, above, like that is not normal. (laughs) Like people don't like talk about, you know, I guess it's, it's amazing what we're doing, like as millennials. And like, it makes me even more excited about like the way Gen Z is just like taking no shit. Like, you know, it's it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And it's what we need. So I think that's awesome. Yeah, Gen Z is like, what up? This is me. Deal with it. I don't give a shit. Exactly. I love it. Um, So that is super awesome. And I think like the other part about this is, um, you know, your parents get to see what you've come through, and talking about where you are now is like such a positive that it's certainly not like you're you know, in this super dark place, nothing's going right. And you're writing a book about how shitty your family is and, you know, all hope is lost or something like as if, you know, I was, if I was still in the throes of alcoholism going out and like trying to, you know, it's like a sort of like if parents would feel like embarrassed that it's not on the right track yet, but you're being like, Hey, this is what's possible if you get on the right track and just trying to help other people. So right. um, yeah. yeah. And I do think like the world of parental shame when things are bad is what has got to stop for like mm-hmm. letting them get help or like being able to talk about the issues. Cause if you just continue to shove it under the rug or like tell everyone to pretend it's not happening, 
problems don't go away, you know, be it substance abuse or uh, troubles with mental illness, like, you know, you've got to address it and got to try and get help and being ashamed or embarrassed to the point of not wanting to speak about it will literally only make it worse. I think that's really important thing to delineate. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's hard because like, I've definitely been interested in looking, um, like obviously, I guess maybe part partially due to like my day job working with youth um, and thinking a little bit about like the cultural components of mental health and mental illness and like what the, what that's like. And I work in like a very diverse um, community, diverse city with a lot of different backgrounds of the, the teens that I work with and just hearing from them, like, you know, my parents say like they won't allow me to go to therapy. Like we don't cry unless someone's died and like how different that is from like my experience and um just I guess just trying to become really educated about that and like how different it can be like as much as my story um is universal I hope and I think in a lot of ways it also just being mindful that like it's different for everyone regardless of like what you're going through and and so that's been a really interesting take on on this. But anyway, yeah. 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 But, no, super like relevant discussion. I mean, it's like, it's so generational that it's yeah. like th- your parents didn't just come up with this mindset on their own. It was yeah. their parents and their parents' parents. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's a big thing to break through when you look at how it's communities at large, you know, areas at large, how those places are just less receptive to these types of conversations. And it does have to start at like a grassroots, like community level to start mm-hmm. making it more okay to talk about or start getting more accessible resources or getting the information to schools. And um, it's not going to happen overnight. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I totally agree. That's, that's a really good point. Um, so yeah, so that's, I guess it's kind of like what you could expect from my memoir, just a really honest and authentic account of my life so far and what I've learned. Um, But the like kind of the twist is that I wrote it in the framework of a recipe. So like every step of the recipe, um, I like create metaphors um, with the different like ingredients and steps. Um, And I did that for two reasons. So the first reason um, to continue the legacy of bake it till you make it, you know, the idea of combining baking and mental health is so important to me and not because I'm a baker or a cook really, but because I see the way people feel comfortable in the kitchen or comfortable around food, having difficult conversations. And that just feels really like something I don't want to let go of. Um, So that was part one. And then the second part, um, which I guess is like kind of one B it's, it's similar, but just the idea that like, it's very, it's universal. Like we all, you know, breaking bread is something so normal um, and, mental, and sometimes mental health discussion, especially discussion around um, like suicide, suicide prevention. Um, I also talk about being a survivor of sexual violence in my um, memoir. It's something I'm very open about as well. And just like, those are really difficult things I think to talk about. So creating a level of um, normalcy, whether it's like with a recipe or like reading about food um, is import- was important to me as well. So that's kind of why. I, yeah, I making it like more approachable. I think it's awesome. I mean, obviously, because I run a cookie dough company, so I'm super excited. I'm like, how many recipes are there though in it? And like, I'm all stoked on that. But I definitely, I mean, I am completely aligned with your vision of like what happens with the like mental and emotional state when you eat, particularly when you eat like desserts and whatnot. You know, making sweet recipes or yeah. like, savory like bread, and I think the 
nostalgia of like making something like that or memories it could bring up is like the perfect time to have some of these discussions and sort of like get those mind juices flowing for lack of a better term. And it's a lot of what we talk about with dope and our dope for hope initiative with like, you know, raw dough and real conversation to feed the soul and trying to make dope and mental health a household name, you know, like household conversations. So I am super aligned with that. I think it's a really natural connection and I'm now going to be on a mission to make you more of a baker and get you into it. (laughs) Um, And then you'll really love it. And every book you write from now on will always have some recipe (laughs) tie-in. That's awesome. It's, I mean, so, and like the metaphors and stuff, it's like punny. I just love all of it. So I'm I'm really into it and I'm super excited for you. Um, I'll ask in in closing, wrapping up here, like what would be your final piece of advice for anyone listening? Anything you haven't shared yet? Yeah. So, um, I think about this a lot because I, if I could like boil it down, um, like out of these like 200 pages or whatever this book is, um, (laughs) I, I think the biggest thing that I, I hope that someone takes away from this conversation from reading is that, um, you deserve help. I really think that is so important, or at least I wish someone had told me that 10 years ago. Oh my gosh, 20 years ago. I can't believe I'm old enough to say that, but whatever. Um, that like there, that you're not only do you deserve help, but there actually is help that exists and you deserve access to that. You deserve care and support and love through that process. And you can, you don't have to hide. Like you can live this, this life, um, with mental illness or, um, maintaining, you know, your mental health or mental wellness. Um, it doesn't have to be your life, but it can be like it has been for me. I mean, I'm, I'm proud of that in a lot of ways, but it it doesn't have to be, but there is, there is support, there is help, there are resources. Um, and, and they're there for you. And not only are they there, like you are a hundred percent deserving. I think that was something I struggled with so much. I always thought like, you know, I, I grew up in a very affluent community and, and family and just like, you know, why, like I have everything, like, why am I not happy? Or like, why can't this make it better? And just realizing like, it doesn't matter what you have or what's going on. Like, yes, some um, cultural or societal factors make us uh, more, I guess, like susceptible to some different mental illnesses. But for the most part, mental illness doesn't discriminate and um, there is help. You don't have to, you don't have to suffer alone um, or suffer at all. So that would be my, yeah. Yeah. I, it's not the first time that I've heard that from someone who also had struggled with mental illness and depression and this phrase around, like, I don't feel worthy of what I have and I don't feel worthy of asking for help. And like, they could fully recognize that everything that they had a really good life and had a good upbringing and like had all these things, but, you know, and then it was sort of this guilt thing of like, I shouldn't feel this way cause everything's okay. So I don't want to get help. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's really, um, I think a very universal thing with a lot of people that feel that way. So I think it's awesome that you're sharing it. I am so glad that we got connected. We are soul sisters. Yes. <laughs> Uh, for anybody listening, you can get her book slash books at Amazon, Barnes and Noble on her website and her Instagram, which I will now pass the mic. Dana, where can people get a hold of you? Um, and anywhere else that I didn't mention where they can get these books. The website is a great place to start and it's bake it till you make it.co. Um, my Instagram, my personal Instagram is at Dana Altman. Very, very easy. So that's my personal Instagram, but I really like, I share 
so much of my journey there. I also have um, an Instagram for Bake It So You Make It, which is just Bake It So You Make It O-R-G. Um, but I also link it to my personal Instagram. And yeah, I mean, I am this, like what I love more than anything is connecting with people um, who have a story to share, who want to be heard. So please feel free to reach out. Um, and I think my like organization email is on the website. So again, that's a great place to start or Instagram. So. so great. I think we're going to have to do like a giveaway or something on Dope's Instagram. Oh, I love that uh, idea. Really fun. Yeah. Um, I think more ideas to come. Yeah. I think we're going to have to like share some recipes to make this weekend. <laughs> I love that idea. Yeah. It was so great to be here. Thank you so much. So awesome. And speaking of therapy, I have my appointment in 15 minutes. So oh. <laughs> I'm going to my weekly sesh. Uh, I hope I hang on to this one as long as you've had yours. Yes. Thank you so much for being so open and sharing today and uh, spending some time with me on here. Absolutely. It was awesome. Whoa. Thanks for listening to that whole podcast. You rock. All right. We hope you're leaving here today with even a smidge more inspiration than when you showed up. If you did, my job is done here. Subscribe to our podcast. Follow us at Eat Dope. And if you're craving some cookie dough, and I mean, when are you not, order at dope.com. It's D-O-U-G-H-P.com and use code SOBERPODCAST for 10% off. Have a dope day. Yeah,